Yeah, and it's going to be called Ooga Booga 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 Day. Radio Draw. I don't know about you guys. I'm sick of wasting a Thursday night with me, Josh Hadley. What about Cecil T? Uh, I'm here. Fine, don't play off what I said at all. Alex? <laughs> I'm here as well, Josh. You guys are no fun. All right, then you two can fight over the Adam and Eve promo. Would you like to take it, Cecil? Sure, I'll take it. I was expecting some uh, kind of arena death match, but oh, fine. Maybe next week. <laughs> I think Alex is a little sleepy. Go to adamandeve.com and use the promo code DROME to get 50% off a single item, free shipping in the U.S., three free DVDs, and a free mystery gift. Now, we're going to break from format for a second here. I'm going to announce that I've been a writer for Grindhouse Purgatory, which the third issue is just coming on sale right now. You can get them at Amazon and whatnot. Just look up Grindhouse Purgatory. The first two issues were reviewed by the Critic Online site, and the publisher of Grindhouse Purgatory, Pete Shirella, was not happy with that review. Pete wanted to respond to Fred's review on Critic Online. That's this. So, Pete, you saw this review of your magazine, which I've worked for, I'm continuing to work for. You wanted to respond. Go ahead. Correct. You you have the review in front of you, uh, right? Yes, I I have the review. Angriest zine of 2014. Where is the anger this guy's talking about? I mean, you you read the zine. Where where is the anger? I think what he means by anger is not like a kind of anger, but more of a bitterness. Because he very much in this review keeps kind of pointing at that you're a bitter old man. Where am I bitter? The whole the whole thing is is modeled after you know pretty much screw the Gore Gazette and Psychotronic. He even uh, brings up Gore Gazette. Truthfully, the Gore Gazette would still be around if somebody hadn't uh, basically ratted out Rick Sullivan to the feds for a perceived injustice, which they actually found something in Rick's abode, which they rousted him at four thirty in the morning and found one piece of incriminating crap. It pretty much would have been blown out, out of out of any any other state but New Jersey. Otherwise, for that, you know, he would still be in the business. Let's get to the review, Pete. Grindhouse Purgatory. Publisher and editor-in-chief 42nd Street Pete, a.k.a. Pete Chirella, is one of the angriest zine publishers today. Right off the bat on issue two of this black-and-white zine of everything Grindhouse, he states on the cover, quote, You must be over 18 to purchase and you must be able to actually read, unquote. Yeah, that will get people to buy your zine. Pete really doesn't care, though, because inside the covers is some of the worst bile spilled from a person's mouth mixed in with reviews of Grindhouse films from the 70s and 80s. Let's stop there and let you respond. Okay, where where is the bile and the whole thing is tongue-in-cheek with that whole you must be able to read because you know how much I hate the Internet and everything's got to be like, you know, the visual and thing. So where 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 is the bile in anything other other than my editorials I wrote, which were basically patterned after Al Goldstein? I, I failed to see the bile. Where's the bile in the Lee Van Cleef article? Where's the bile in the the uh, 
Blood Island uh, Actually, article. in in the first issue, there was a lot of fond looking back, a lot of fond memories of the Grindhouse era. Yeah, exactly. What what was wrong with the second issue? The second issue, I thought, was head and shoulders above the first issue. I agree. I, I think because we all kind of found our footing. The first issue, we were still finding where yeah. we all fit. So the review continues. While some may enjoy Pete's style of writing, he also has guest writers who do a much better job. He just can't let go of things that happened in his past and uses the zine as an outlet to get revenge on those people he believes have wronged him. One example, mainstream horror makes suck a huge AIDS-infested cock, and then he goes on to praise shock cinema. And then there's another article on the zine written by Pete called Full Moon Fever or Getting F***ed by Chuck. Where Where is anything wrong there? Uh, I, okay, going, going back to the first part... I never, I never said I was the end-all, be-all great writer. This guy seems to think that he is with his little uh, freebie website. You, you know what I honestly think this is? For some reason, and it may go back to the AV Maniacs days or something like that, this guy has personal issues with me that instead of like emailing me and calling me a complete whatever to my face, which I would respect, he has to resort to this, which basically interferes with you, the other writers, and trying to promote the magazine. Now, I'm not one to censor anybody, but when I saw that on Amazon, I, I basically said to Amazon, this is not a review, this is a personal attack and an attack on the writers. And they removed it. That was at their discretion. They didn't have to remove it. So they agreed with me that this is indeed a personal attack for some reason. It, it goes on to get a little bit more personal in this next segment. While some of the other articles written by other writers are interesting, even though I strongly disagree with Arthur Annie Roderan's list of recent lousy remakes, there's an air of hostility that runs through the zine's 64 pages. Pete says this may be the last actual issue because all the money comes out of his own pocket. Yeah, right. And I hope he's right because the horror world doesn't need this much negativity in its life. I think it's time for 42nd Street Pete to retire and leave the new zines to the people who can write a story without attacking someone's personal life. Whose personal life have I attacked in those magazines? You might be talking about the Full Moon Fever one, but I don't think that's personal. That's a business. That's personal. That, that you know... Uh, did I say anything that wasn't true in that thing? No. So, so again, wh where are these personal attacks he's talking about? The two bogus interviews I did as a joke? Who, who were they? Can you tell me who they are? Because no, no actual names were mentioned. They were a joke. Obviously, he doesn't get my sense of humor or other people do. Obviously, he doesn't get the tongue-in-cheek, in-your-face, in, uh, in politically incorrect attitude of the magazine. But, you know, Pete, you once had Mohammed on your show buying sex toys from you. Right. That's a that's a very dark, funny sense of humor. Exactly. And you know, you know what the best part is? You know, he can rant and rave all he wants. He can put that thing on, on his website, which obviously he's very proud of that he gives away everything for nothing, which I'm not. And the bottom line is if he had to buy this off of Amazon, he had to pay for it. So who's smarter, me or him? I do want to say I think he has every right to say these things. Because just like you, I don't believe in censorship. He has every right to criticize my writing, your writing, anybody's. I just disagree with it. Oh, he, he has that right, but he doesn't have the right to put it in a position where a personal attack is going to cost me and you what we're doing here, you know? Mm -hmm. And he goes on about you, uh, going more to the personal angle you were bringing up. The last pages in this issue is Pete's story on massage parlors from the late 60s until the 80s in New York City. What a way for a perfect, unhappy ending. Not recommended unless you like to read an angry person complain about his life and the lives and deaths of others. I have better things to do with my life. Issues 1 and 2 are available from Amazon if you like the masochistic lifestyle. That whole statement doesn't make any sense whatsoever. What's masochistic about it? 
Oh, I don't, I don't even. I don't think this guy knows what he's talking about. Obviously, when he was supposedly sick years ago, it affected his brain. Whatever disease he had affected his brain. Obviously, he also expects me to, you know, come out with one of my, you know, profanity laced diatribes against them. But the simple fact of the matter is, I don't give a damn about him. He's inconsequential to me. What I do give a damn about is when I put a review that basically hurts what I'm doing. And not that it hurts me personally, because like I said, I don't give a damn, but I'm not doing this. And as for out of pocket, yeah, right. Yeah, Fred, it is out of pocket. As I fund all my projects out of pocket, I don't need a Kickstarter thing on Facebook to get money in my pocket and disappear. So in closing, Fred, you know, buy the third issue. It's 74 pages and mistakenly got the price dropped to five bucks. So I guess you can afford to blow another 10 spot on this thing. But like I said, truth of the matter is it's selling. The other truth in the matter may be you may be jealous because you don't have any printed material that you can put in the hands of fans. And there are fans of us like myself, like Josh, who like to hold something in their hands and read it. And to all the people who have bought the magazine and enjoyed it, thank you. We appreciate that. And if you didn't like it, hey, we tried. We can't please everybody. I'll admit my style can be sometimes abrasive and sometimes coarse. But, you know, as far as that goes... We're emulating things that aren't around anymore because they're not PC, and we're not trying to be PC. We're trying to keep the old grindhouse thoughts and, and uh, mindset going. That's all we're trying to do. So, again, thank you. Pete's not happy. Let's talk about something that makes me not happy about movies. Guys, have you ever watched a movie and you think that they made the wrong movie, that you see something within the film that is just glossed over that you think would have been far more interesting of a story to go with than what the actual movie was made it for. Yeah. I mean, every now and then you just come across something and uh, the movie in and of itself is dull or you see little glimpses of goodness, but then they go and they focus on something completely ordinary and you're like, Oh great. Back to this. I wanted to focus on that, but all right, give us this. Well, cause the reason I'm bringing this up is probably due to all the wacky weather we've been having day after tomorrow was on TV the other day. So I was watching that for the first time since I saw it in the theater, and it dawned on me. I want the movie we didn't get. I don't care about all the stupid, non-scientific CGI wolves and Russian ships going down New York City streets and all that crap. That should have been the first 20 minutes of a more interesting film. Now that the bulk of North America is completely uninhabitable, all of the plants are dead, all of the animals are dead, the economy is completely destroyed, the ecology is destroyed, Americans have either illegally immigrated to Canada or down to Mexico, and the entire world is in a shuffle. That, to me, is a more interesting film than... Oh my god, can my dad hike from Washington, D.C. to New York City in a super blizzard? <laughs> I want the story of the super wizard who used his magic powers to have that fire just heat up that whole library against all those elements. That they were, one they were, fire. They were burning, to be fair, they were burning tax code. That burns really hot. Yeah, I want the story of that wizard, though. But no, the, the day after, the day after tomorrow, it had been boring. It would have been just reconstruction. No, I think... Oh, look, had... society's getting back on their feet. You know, it was more fun watching society crumble. I disagree. <laughs> the Day After Tomorrow it was just hilarious going off on the movie for a second, where they invented uh, the fact that uh, you could outrun cold. I wasn't aware that that was something that was feasible. To be but... fair, in Mummy Returns, they outran Sun. Yeah, but it was, it was a movie that wasn't supposed to be taken as serious. Like... 
the day after tomorrow kind of played itself to be more serious. Whereas the mummy, you've already got mummies. So I, I don't know. I, it's just personal thing anyway yeah i i don't well i'm always one for post-apocalyptic things surprise so them rebuilding after that kind of cataclysmic event would be interesting because that's something that we haven't really seen too much of uh usually it's you know there's there's war or uh some sort of radiation or uh, something else but having Armageddon come in the form of a new ice age and them having to try to rebuild after that, it would be interesting because it would present a whole different wave of problems and things that they'd have to go through in order to make it out alive. And yet, if we ever did get a sequel to Day After Tomorrow, it would be more, oh, look, exploding, because that's the kind of movie CGI they wolves. But then that also led me into thinking about, like, Sometimes you want the prequel that you that they hint at. For instance, Titan A.E. kind of goes to the same place that Day After Tomorrow would have gone if we'd gotten the movie I wanted or Cecil wanted, was humanity is on the outs. Humans are the scum of the galaxy. They're, a, they're lower class. I want to see that movie. I wanted to see about the 20 years from when Earth blowed up to when Titan A.E. begins. To me, that's a more interesting story that humans are kind of the crazy old ladies with the homeless old ladies with the shopping carts of the galaxy. That's more interesting than the fate of humanity rests on us, oh, worldwide struggle, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's kind of how it is now. That's why the only alien sightings you get on Earth are like crash landed at Roswell. Most aliens look at Earth and they're like, don't even stop there for gas. Keep going. We're kind of like that now. You're going to get worms if you eat there. Yeah, don't drink the oceans. Well, we are kind of the hillbillies of the universe. Uh, I'm sure, you know, the aliens do just look at us and ugh. Because people are always, oh, why don't the aliens come? You know, if there's aliens out there, why don't they come down and talk to us? And it's like, well, um, do you talk to ants? Like, no, you just kind of step on them and keep going. Way to yeah, steal that so... from contact. I think that's an interesting thing. And they, they want to ignore that. For We'll be talking more about this movie next week, but like even Night of the Creeps. I want to know what happened on the spaceship before the opening credits, don't you? I want to know why that alien was going rogue and trying to shoot the creeps onto Earth. What, what did we miss? Well, the alien already had a creep in him. Right. I want to know how that happened. Cause, well, I mean, it, I mean because, it was, a, it was I mean, an experiment gone wrong. <laughs> The creeps might work differently with the aliens, because when they get into a human, they're not all that smart. Whereas that alien was pretty smart, even with a creep in him. Well, maybe yeah. it's not as impressive as you think. Maybe that alien was just drunk. I'm, I'm actually one for uh, the prequel to Waterworld, where the Earth basically floods. Which because, it um, physically can't do. Well... Yeah, you know, it's this it's this thing called science fiction, you know, where stuff happens that's fiction. Okay, in water, uh, though, even if every single shard of ice from the polar ice caps melts, which is what it says in the beginning, there it would still not be enough to cover all of the land masses. And even then, the ice is fresh water, so it would dilute the salt water so it would still be drinkable. So basically, Waterworld, the entirety of the movie is built on, yeah, that's not how that science works. 
Yeah, we can't clone well, dinosaurs. We'll never be able to clone dinosaurs. But Jurassic Park is still an awesome movie. So suck uh, it, Josh. Alex, you thought we could last week. I was joking. Yeah, sure you were. Well, uh, bigger than that, and one of the things that doesn't get mentioned all too often, uh, going back to Waterworld, so all the water flooded the earth and you know we're we're now all you know on top of water and, and building these colonies and whatnot where did the gigantic mutant fish come from i actually think that was a holdover from the original script I, I don't think there's an explanation in the movie for that because the original script the comic this is based on Waterworld's not earth it's an alien planet that's just made right. up of all water and then they that was originally what they were going to adapt and then they moved that into the Let's rip off Road Warrior and just set it on the water. And I think they forgot to change the whole giant alien fish thing. Uh, that's one thing that always gets me. Why does it have to be Earth? Like whenever they're they're oh we have to go save our home and it's always Earth. Why can't they just make it someplace else? It's it, it's just it's been done to death. I mean I understand hey. You know, we're we're on Earth and this is home. But if you're creating a universe or you're creating something fantastical, why not take it someplace else? Why not take it to a different planet? Because possibly Waterworld might have been perceived better if it wasn't Earth, because it yeah, would have explained in, in, in Aqua Blue, the comic. It's a completely alien planet and they're savages because they haven't advanced to the point where. They have jet skis and stuff. They everything is made out of like bamboo and it's all emerald forest kind of shit. That well, they also wanted to. It's healthy for you. <laughs> and that, that's the other thing. R. Kelly <laughs> loves it there. Well, well, that's the other thing about him filtering his own pee. Human urine has more salt in it than actual salt water does. So even assuming the salt water was not diluted, why couldn't he just do that with the water then, since the urine has more salt to be filtered out? Do you see why? People have problems with Waterworld when you stop and think about it, like for a second. He likes his pee. It's his. Let him have it. But anyway, with Waterworld, the the whole okay, fine. The world flooding because the polar apps, polar ice caps melting is ridiculous. But it would make for a really interesting movie. There was a book that came out a few a uh, while ago called The Conqueror Worms, where it starts raining one day and it never stops and the Earth gets flooded. Noah! No, 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 no. Not, not Noah. Good God. Earth floods and these giant worms come up and start eating people. And it's, I, I'm not really doing it justice. It's kind of a little bit more intricate than that. But that's kind of the, the, the one basis of it. Incredible books. Freaking amazing. Would make for an awesome movie if they ever managed to pull it off. But, you know, it's if not the Hunger Frank Games. Herbert, if Frank Herbert wrote Noah. Well, and the, like another movie that I've long held as one of these films that focuses on the exact aspects I don't want it to is Michael Crichton's Sphere. Now, I've not read the book. I do know what the twist at the end is that's not in the movie. But to me, I'm more interested about how a space, an American spaceship from 200 years in the future, considering the movie takes place in the present of the late 90s, an American spaceship from 200 years in the future has been sitting at the bottom of the ocean for 400 years with this sphere in it. That's the story I want. Not this, oh, anything we think of happens. Oh, what will we do? Wah, wah, wah. I want the spaceship story. Sphere was horrible. I, I uh, saw that in a the theater. I was pissed. 
because the company I was working for at the time, we actually, in exchange for an early copy of the script, we gave them a discount on uh, these tools that they were using for the production of the film. And then I was angry because I I read the the script was actually kind of cool. And then when I finally saw the movie, I was pissed because it was so freaking terrible. But do you agree with me that within that movie, how does a spacecraft from 200 years in the future find the sphere wherever it finds it and then winds up on the bottom of the ocean from where they were 600 years in the past? That is kind of an interesting setup, isn't it? That's much more interesting than the movie we got. And yet that's just glossed over. Like the first 10 minutes kind of set that up and then, oh, look, the sphere. I want to know where the sphere came from. That's a more interesting story. Why are you not showing no, but me we that gotta, story? But we need to see what Queen Latifah fantasizes about. No, we don't. Ever. For any reason. 8mm was on TV the other night. And yeah, Joaquin Phoenix character dies in that movie. But Nicolas Cage has a line like a scene before that about, if I ever have work in L.A., I'll keep you on, on dial. And that's the movie I want now is the, the adventures of Nick Cage and Joaquin Phoenix solving mysteries. That would have been an interesting I've... series. That would have been way better than 8mm 2. Sure, he brought him Joaquin Phoenix back from the dead, and he's a zombie, and he helps Nicolas Cage solve movies. That would have been a better 8mm 2. Another yeah, one. They're solving sex crimes in post-apocalyptic <laughs> California. <laughs> Yo, my God. I, I want that movie. Yes, I, I agree. I'm not fighting you on that. Zombie, zombie Joaquin Phoenix and lunatic Nicolas Cage solving sex crimes in post-apocalyptic. So I, think you mean, I think you mean regular Nicolas Cage then. Well, yeah. <laughs> Nick Cage in his Nick Cageian. Well, I mean, you know, what flavor of Nick Cage? I, I'm thinking broke do anything for a paycheck Nick Cage. Ah, yes. Well, but then you you also have one. Now, the movie is awful, just like Cecil pointed out about Sphere. The movie is terrible, but like Lost in Space, the 1998 Lost in Space. I wanted to know more about how Morgan from The Walking Dead was searching for them all this time and how they ran into the ship with the spiders where Bloop's people came from and what happened on their space station slash ship. There's no bodies. What? That? Why do we not get that movie? Why do we get this stupid Daddy didn't come to the science fair My life sucks movie Well, f- Lost in Space the, the movie's terrible But that one aspect I want Morgan I was from The Walking in. Dead to have its own series though I want I want a series just about Morgan from Walking Dead Yeah, well Dead. you haven't met And no spoilers, I, I don't know what if he I know he comes back in an episode <laughs> Yeah, anything would have been better than the Freaking Lost in Space movie Oh my god yeah, the, the whole thing, uh, what, well, I think the, the thing with that is uh, if they did, if they did a movie about what took place on the space station, it would have been an alien outbreak movie, which, again, I'm totally would have cool been better than the Lost in, well, that's what I'm saying. It would have been better than the Lost in Space movie itself, but uh, just anything would have been, holy crap, did I hate that movie. There's clearly backstory that they only hint at, and for whatever reason, writers seem to think just hinting at backstory is character development, and it's not. For instance, I Come in Peace. The two aliens, you got the alien cop and the the I Come in Peace alien, they clearly hate one another and have a long history together. You want to tell us a little bit more other than they hate each other and have a long history together? I know you love that movie, Cecil. Do you see what I'm saying about how could you flesh either of these characters out a tad? But if they spent more time fleshing the characters out, there would be less time for things exploding. 
And that movie, everything blew up. It was awesome. Uh, I think with with that one, would I have liked a little bit more character development? Absolutely. I, I don't think there's ever a movie where I'm like, well, I mean, sometimes they go a little overboard on it. But usually in the right movie, it just a little more character development makes you care for the character that mo- much more. So if something happens to them, you actually feel bad for them. You understand their plight with I come in peace. A little more character development would have been cool. Um, I mean, the Blu-ray came out. Unfortunately, there's no there's you know, it's not an extended cut or anything. It's just the same theatrical cut. It would have been cool. I, I would have liked to have known just a little bit more, but it doesn't for me. It, that's not something that ruined the movie. No, it didn't ruin the movie, but I was interested in how do these characters know each other? What's their history? It kind of even goes back to The Hidden, where The Hidden, you know, Kyle McLaughlin's character in whatever his alien form was really had a vendetta against Bug Boy. And it's just kind of, he needs to kill him because Bug Boy killed his wife and daughter. Okay, could we see that movie instead of Hidden 2, which was freaking terrible? Yeah, Hidden 2, where well, they took everything from the first one and just threw it out the window. Well, sometimes you don't want that backstory. Like, Hannibal Lecter is a dark and interesting character with a complicated backstory, but Hannibal, Hannibal Rising, Rising is awful. a piece of shit. Yeah, Hannibal yes, it was horrible. Was terrible. Sometimes you don't want that backstory, you find out afterwards. I agree. I, Great point. Yeah. The, the, Episode the, the, 1. Hannibal Rising is a perfect example of when you screw it up. No, no doubt about that. We didn't need to see Darth Vader as a child. Especially a whiny, bitchy child. You know, well, there was um, somebody who uh, there's there was a, another podcast that I had listened to, and they actually had a really good point. Traitor! They said that, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I can't listen to anything else besides this show. But they had pointed out that the Star Wars prequels, one of the things they could have done to improve things, uh, and I'm not even going to get into it, but... If they would have started with episode two, it's like we didn't need all the nonsense of episode one. They really could have truncated that down, made it a lot shorter and picked up a lot more into two and then made two and three kind of fleshed out into three movies instead of having all this time seeing Anakin as a child. We didn't need that much. What what I think would be a great final Romero of the dead film would be follow up Land of the Dead. Whatever caused the dead to come back just stops. It just ends. And now you've got only the really old people who have survived that have ever lived in a world without zombies. I would like to see the reconstruction of that world. You would have warlords trying to trying to claim their spot, trying to put together the government again. You'd have opposition all through that. You have the first 20 minutes of the movie be a zombie film and then just... People die like normal, and the zombies all fall over. The rebuilding of society would be a violent, turbulent time based on the fact that the people who are now trying to rebuild society have never lived in a world without this kind of brutality and never lived in a world of laws. I would find that incredibly interesting. Alex, I'm going to guess you'd go boring. I'd find it interesting as a movie, but placing it in the Romero mythos of dead films, which is fractured as it is after he made that fucking Diary of the Dead. Well, Diary of the Dead um, doesn't count, but then it's fractured anyway because Night of the Living Dead clearly takes place in 68. Dawn of the Dead is only about a week and a half into the infection, and that's clearly the late 70s, so we kind of have a timeline issue already. Yeah, but then 
Diary of the Dead reboots it, and its direct sequel was that survival was survival. Ah, survival was awful. So I'd be fine for a quote-unquote zombie film that's like, okay, the zombies are finally gone. What do we do now? It's just a movie on its own that's not connected to any franchise. That would just be an intriguing film. Yeah, I think uh, I, I actually would have rather him go into Land of the Dead 2. The studio didn't want that, unfortunately. Which Land is of the Dead was good. Land of, that's what I'm saying. Land of the Dead was was damn good. And he wanted to kind of continue. So he wanted to do something he hadn't done before. He's like, I want to do a direct sequel and have more with these characters and Dead Reckoning. And uh, I was like, awesome. I was so on board for that. But the problem was Land of the Dead didn't make billion dollars. So obviously it was a failure. And uh, they just decided to not move ahead with it. And, uh, you, you know, you we get a sequel to World War Z. Have... Yeah, you, you can't possibly have thought that Diary of the Dead was the good idea for a follow-up. Well, that's well, Diary was, was of Diary was magnificent compared to how bad survival was. Well, Diary of the Dead was the only way to go in order to kind of be able to make a film for the budget that he was able to get together, which in and of itself is ridiculous. The fact that Romero is having problems finding money. Because I, I like honestly a lot of it comes down to if he had just a little bit more money, if, it, if they were able to give him the budgets that he requires, I think that we wouldn't have gotten a movie like Survival of the Dead. I think we he just got to the point of where he cut so many corners because he just could not afford to make the movie that he really wanted to make. And that's how we ended up with Survival, because Survival is terrible. Survival is the only of the dead movies that I dislike. And, and it's just a shame to see like him... I don't know if that's going to be his last of the dead movies. I hope he at least gets one more that he can kind of redeem himself because so many people just trash him over that. And it's like, I'm willing to bet that a large part of survival was just the fact that he had ha cut so many corners that it ended up just being a shit movie. Uh, see, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that one. I know we're sagging off topic, but who cares for survival? The tone was so wrong. He clearly thought he was making a comedy. Not a horror film that had comedy in it like he'd always done before. Survival is a goddamn slapstick comedy from beginning to end, and the characters even seem to know they're in a comedy for most of it. I mean, Christ, that main character? He almost winks at the camera a few times. Survival was horrible, because I think Romero thought he was making a comedy. Well, I mean, his movies have always had elements of comedy in them. But this so, was slapstick through and through. This was almost parody. I mean, seriously, the zombie that's on fire, he's about to push him off this, the boat, pulls him back, lights his cigarette off of him, and then pushes him over? You, you cannot tell me that that was ever meant to be, I'm supposed to take this character as our hero? No. No. Or, or, or the lesbian just masturbating out in the open because the scene needed some TNA? Come on, he was making a comedy, and it failed. Well, yeah, it did. It failed. I really would like a little more of the history behind Survival, because uh, there, there definitely has to... You don't put out a movie like that just on face value. There, was, there had to be some... And I'm not defending... You know, hey, man, if that's what he intended to make, and it came out and it was crappy, so be it. But I just I get the distinct feeling because it's so far removed from his previous works 
that even even his non of the dead movies it just feels so out of place it feels like there were some other hands in the pot that kind of screwed things up well and then sometimes in movies you get the okay something else happened that kicked your aspect of the plot into gear why don't we see that like independence day okay they figure out how to take down the shields and whatnot so then all of a sudden we see african tribesmen celebrating as one of the ships is crashing um i want to know how african tribesmen who are stereotypical in every way with just shields and spears took down the alien spacecraft i want that story so do I. I want that story too. That you know, that, I want to know. What, I, I want the African version of ID4. There, damn it! I want to know this. There's spears throwing it at the ship. They they got their best guy, and he hucked one in there at the right moment. You know, well, you see, I mean, he built a Macintosh out of coconuts, and <laughs> this isn't Gilligan's Island. You can't just build things. Might out of coconuts. as well be. If you're taking yeah. out alien motherships with a Zulu spear, yeah, you can build a Mac out of a coconut. But I mean, seriously, watch the end again. That's all you see is like these kind of Africans standing there in the crashed spaceship burning, and you're like, no, I want to know how that happened. I want that movie. These guys need their film. Yeah, and it's going to be called Ooga Booga 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 Day. But I mean, it's 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 true. I mean, they don't. They don't provide any. I, I think if I'm not, if I'm, because I haven't seen Independence Day in a while. If I'm not mistaken, don't they show the Africans celebrating as the ship is crashed? But then there's like some jets flying around. I don't remember if there's some jets flying around, but it, it, just, just the but image still, they, of they, the the image of the, of the tribal Africans celebrating with the ship. I'm like, I want this movie. I want that movie. Yeah, they do make it look more like it was that they were directly responsible for the ship coming down. Or even on that same wavelength, Signs. Okay, Signs is supposed to be an alien invasion from, you know, a personal perspective. Fine, I get that. I also would like the larger perspective, because you keep hearing these things on the radio, especially after they figure out that water hurts them. Yes, the plot holes are gaping in that. But no, it's not. That, they're yes, not aliens. They're demons. Why are you talking? Because it, because I'm telling you, they're not aliens. They're de- we thought they were aliens, but they were actually demons. So we can pick up demon technology on baby monitors. Okay. No, well, there's there's a whole more thing into it. It's not that we're picking it up. We're picking up like the the tra- like, like the tr- the radio waves, the transmissions of them coming into our existence. That's why they have spaceships in the sky. It uh, there's a whole bit. I have to find it. There, it, it I I he's, can't. I don't have time strain to. in here, Alex. You want to jump in? No, no, no. I'm I'm not straining because it's something I haven't thought about. No, you know. I mean, the movie's is ten years old now. Anyway, but yeah, it's totally. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It's freaking. They're they're not aliens. They're demons. That's because of, the thing is, they're not hurt by water. They're hurt by holy water. See, even all of the water around house. their house. So, so tap water is holy water. That's why. Yeah, no, because he's a priest and he blessed his house. So everything within the house is considered holy. So then how are everyone else defeating the aliens? Because you clearly hear on the radio that they're turning the hoses on them. So did, because did, 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 they did, said did, did, 
did did Pope Francis go out and bless each fire hydrant? They got well, see, their, they, the they aliens don't were announce... specifically targeting the religious because was, they were demons was, after all. <laughs> it was more a parable about the loss of his faith and the aliens. We we thought they were aliens, but it was actually like all this. All the signs were symbols and. Which you can only them, see from uh, the sky, and they're the birds smashing into the clear spacecrafts in the sky, and yeah, I'm telling. There, I'll see if I can find it again. It explains it a lot better than I'm doing right now. I'm flailing, but I'm telling That's you. That's also because Alex and I aren't giving you any leeway either. Of course, you know what? And I would expect no quarter. You know, actually, I would want to know about the other people on Earth during signs, though. Right, that's what like I was Like the ones to. turning on the hose. Yeah, that, that's... I want to see them hosing down the aliens. That's yeah, going to be... Yeah. That's better than watching a little girl's half-drink of water glass get batted around by Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, I want see, to see them turn on the fire hose like a color riot. That's what I was talking about. You keep hearing these things on the radio that give you these hints of this much larger event going on all over at least America, and I'm like... I get that that would violate the perspective of this movie. Fine. But how about a side quill that shows us that? Because that is still really interesting. So, Cecil, you, you, don't, you don't think whether they were Demalians that you would want to see the how the hoses and all these other things got holy watered? The whole thing was they don't – again, I got to go back and watch it again. But from when I remember – they had said they didn't specifically say they're like we they don't announce that water hurts them they say uh we've they've been telling everybody what to do like not you know not outright saying bless the water and turn it on them but, but they even shamamalan's to... but even shamamalan's line in the movie every place they're landing is away from water they don't like water are they afraid that that somebody blessed the water in Lake Michigan? It could see the thing is it it makes more sense than they are. I why like why would aliens that manage to travel through space come to a planet that is what is it? What what are we eighty percent water or something? That their planet was completely out of resources and they're basically running out of gas. We're the first habitable planet, so it's sort of any port in a storm. And they'll see, here, here's the thing. I'm tearing signs apart, and I actually really like the movie. It's got some legitimate scares and really good atmosphere in it and really good acting in it. I'm just not going to let that allow me to forgive the massive stupidities of it. It is a good it's movie. It's still a good movie. I would, uh, I actually would prefer it if they were demons, but um, the, because uh, it, it made it a nice it made a nice spin because it's like, oh, shit, that's a, a different way of looking at it. Um, I don't know. It's different um, and stupid. Oh, hush. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I say. would like to see. No, I, I would like to see. Uh, I, there are a lot of movies where, and this is why we're talking about it. Uh, you would like to see an alternative viewpoint or the main characters that they've chosen to follow are just not interesting. Yeah, any Channing Tatum movie at all. There was a movie that came out a while ago that I did, uh, I Am Number Four, and the character they decided to focus on in the movie, I mean, granted, the book is better, but um, I still like the movie, but in the movie, the character that she has to focus on was Number Four, and his whole thing is kind of typical 
teen angsty lovey-dovey twilight type stuff and then they bring in number six who is freaking awesome and is so much more of an interesting character and yet they don't focus on her until like the last 15 minutes of the movie which kind of was a bummer but it's like i wanted to see her search for number four would have been more interesting than number four falling in love with a high school girl and all that you know stuff I Am Number 4 was a piece of crap. I Am Number 4 was a good movie. It wasn't a great movie, but it was an entertaining movie. It was one of the better of the young adult books turned into movies. You keep telling yourself that, buddy. Yes, because believe me, I am a connoisseur. Have you watched them? Have you, have the you watched them? No, I haven't. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> yes, watch it. I think I think Alex would like it. Or, or even sometimes you get a movie, and I this is one of my favorite films. I think it's a fantastic movie. But they they mentioned something that I think would have been an interesting sidequel pre- prequel, Time Bandits. Not only how did they get the map, but they outright mentioned that Horseflesh, their first leader, was killed while getting the map. I want to see what the hell happened when they got the map, because it sounds like there's another adventure there, doesn't it? Yes, never, it does. You've never seen Time Bandits, have you? No, I've seen it, but it was a long time ago. Yeah, I'm from, actually, Time Bandits was the first movie that my family rented on VHS because we had just bought a VCR. And uh, when we went to the video store and opened up our account, the first movie we got was Time Bandits and uh, everyone hated it. And uh, I seriously, was, that's a fantastic movie. You, you didn't let me finish. I I was I was really young at the time and I didn't quite understand it. And I went back years later and watched it again and enjoyed it. I thought it but it was just when I saw it as a kid, I'm like I don't understand any of this. Cuz the thing is it was such a it, it's such a weird movie. So I, that's a movie where yes, the the thing that you mentioned would be an interesting side quill. There were 50 gajillion tangents in the film that could have gone off and, and you know, made into another film. How did uh, Saint Helpers just... steal a map of time portals from God? That's an interesting right. story in and of itself. Not their escape from him. How did they do it? Well, then you also have other ones where, that were just like, as Alex pointed out with Hannibal Rising, they do give you the prequel that you didn't really ask for, like Prometheus. Keep in mind, I like Prometheus. As a standalone film, it is a horrible prequel to Alien. So sometimes what you get is not very satisfying. Yeah, it's not. Prometheus is a good movie in its own right, but once that xenomorph shows up at the end, that just you might as well have just not even bothered with that movie. I love Prometheus. I think it absolutely uh, ties in wonderfully with the rest of the films. But uh, I know I am in the very, very, very minority with that. It's... To me, Prometheus falls into the trap that all prequels tend to fall into when they're made decades later. Because the technology to make the film is better, we don't bother realizing that, wait a minute, this is 80 years before the previous film, so we're going to give them more advanced technology because we can. And that's one of the traps that Prometheus falls into. I I still like it. I'm actually tinkering with doing an an episode on it, but... uh... Uh, that one's going to take forever because there's just so much material to sift through. So sometimes you, 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 for whatever reason, when they make these movies, 
they don't make the movie you want. Like Cecil pointed out, sometimes it's incredibly uninteresting characters. The side characters are far more interesting than the main characters. Or sometimes they just want the big splody stuff and want to not deal with the political ramifications of what the big splody stuff comes brings about. And personally, that disappoints me because to me that shows that the filmmakers are talking down to us as the fans. Yeah, that's pretty much what they do, Josh. That's why they're dumb action movies instead of Oscar-winning dramas. But just because you're a dumb action movie, then that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a dumb action movie. No, but it's rare to find one that's not. Otherwise, it's just a really good movie that happens to have some action scenes. Nobody actually calls it an action movie. There is a fine line that a lot of times they just gloss right over where you can get into uh, an action movie and have interesting characters and interesting buildup and, and a, a villain that is not just a, a mustache twirling bad guy, but a interesting character. Three dimensional motivations. Character. Yeah, right. A three dimensional character, not just I am evil because evil things, you know, you you kind of see. Uh, and then the other thing, too, is like if you have a sympathetic bad guy where it's like, all right, well, I kind of uh, this guy's killing a bunch of people, but it makes sense why he's killing a bunch of people. But the, the, the uh, one of those that I thought of was Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust, the sequel to Vampire Hunter D. The vampire is not evil. He's only being hunted because he's a vampire. All he's trying to do is preserve his own race because his people have been killed by the humans for so long. That's a complex villain. You don't get those too often in American films, do you? No, but that's why it's, you know, Japanese anime and not, you know, if they were to take Vampire Hunter D and make it into an American live-action film, they would make uh, a very goofball, watered-down version of Blade. Well, to be fair, Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust is basically Castlevania the movie as it is. I mean, they True, even stop for but... a boss fight every 15 minutes. True, but that doesn't make it any less awesome. It's no. an anime. Really? You're going to nitpick that? It's still a movie. Well, that's just... Yeah, but that's the nature of the genre. They are going to stop for boss fights every 15 minutes because that's what they do in every single anime. I'm surprised to keep it on have more boss fights in it. So, where can we find Alex Clickety-Click-Jowski? Panties.com. I'm sorry, I mean geekjuicemedia.com. <laughs> I'm not sure if we're going to get a lot of crossover from that, but okay. Cecil T? You can find me at goodbadflicks.com as well as geekjuicemedia.com. I don't know why you drug that out at the end, but fine. You can find me, 1201beyond.com. Contact the show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. And I'm also at the same geekjuicemedia.com. No panties. Woohoo, I go commando.
Radio Drome is a 1201 Beyond production. Visit 1201beyond.com for more great shows.